Why don't you read verse 15 with me of chapter 1 of Acts chapter 1, all right? Let's read that together. Uh, ready, reading together to begin. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120. We see this congregation formed. Now, this congregation was with men and women. I just want to make a quick sidebar. When I was in, in Jerusalem three years ago, of course, in Israel, to this day, 2000, well, it was 2015, I guess it was. To this day, and I promise you to this day, 2018, when we went to certain places, went to the so-called Western Wall or the Wailing Walls, Gentiles call it. The men got to pray on the outside. I got to go to the wall myself. Ladies, you don't get to go to the wall. You have to go to the wall underneath the, in the, the, the caves. I'm sorry, that's the way it is in Israel. When we went to see David, King David's tomb, what they believe is King David's tomb, the men got to go in and see the, the, uh, the tomb. Ladies, you don't get to see it. You get, a, you get to see a wall, the back of the side of the wall. That's today, 2018. But notice verse 14. The Bible says here, this new church, this infant church, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. And so we're gathered together. Uh, when I was in India, Pastor Parmar could uh, attest to this here. The churches we preached in, the men sat on one side, women sat on another side. But here we are all congregated together. This is a new revolutionary uh, concept that was happening. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. And uh, they pray for 10 days. Most of you know this. And let's read 2, verse 1 together. Ready? And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, they were all with what? Help me out again. With one accord in one place. One more time. With one accord in one place. Now let's go to the end of the chapter. Peter preaches to maybe 50,000, maybe some historians say 100,000. Um, 100,000 people maybe. We don't know how many. He preaches... And he comes to the end of his message in verse 38, and he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel, verse 37, excuse me, uh, 36, I'll try it one more time. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know it surely that God hath made that same Jesus, whom he crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We get down to verse 41, and let's read with clarity and uh, distinction. And let's read all the way to verse 47 in unison together. Think about what you're reading when we read this early New Testament church and what they had to, together. All right, here we go. Ready? Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. In the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. We see 3,000 people receive Christ as Savior. And you think about what took place just 53 days before this event. There's just a handful of women and John the Apostle, as we talked about this morning, that stood at the 
Golgotha's Hill and saw their Savior crucified. That was 53 days before this event right here. 50 days earlier, Jesus rose from the grave. He walked on the earth for 40 days. And then for 10 days, then he ascended up into glory, Acts chapter 1. And 10 days later, this, many of these thousands of Jews said, many of them were probably stood at that same judgment hall just not too far away. From, and they cried, crucify him, crucify him. Now they said, no, he is Lord in Christ. There was incredible conversion. They went from 120 to over 3,000 in one service. Then they gladly received his word, were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now I want you to just notice some of these verses here, just in way of introduction here tonight. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' what? Help me out. Doctrine. That's the apostles' teaching. We, we preached a lot of doctrine this morning. And fellowship, koinonia, and breaking of bread and in prayers. Now that breaking of bread, we believe, is what we're going to partake of tonight here in the Lord's Supper. And then it says, uh, the Bible says, uh, and all that believed, verse 44, were together and had all things common. They had, a, they had a fellowship together. They had a unity together. They had a love together. And sold their possessions and goods and parted to them as all men ha- as, uh, to all men as every man had need. Please understand, uh, us that are going down on the trip, the Mennonites and Amish, they have a form of collectivism. They have a form of uh, really a soft social form of socialism in some ways, but they are, it's, it's bound by community and love. But the Bible does not teach communism centralized government that teaches community. It teaches the need to love one another. This was voluntary. And they gave out of a heart of love, not out of being coerced. And then I want you to notice verse 46. And they continuing daily, not once a week on Sunday morning, but daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness, and singleness of heart. No coercion here. They were loving what they were doing. They were loving the new, their new Lord. They were loving their new brothers and sisters in Christ. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. I'll do this quickly here, but in way of introduction, just building the platform for the four points tonight here in just a moment. I got on the web, so I, I, saw, I saw a soundbite on the web oh, a couple months back. Uh, the 25 largest churches in America caught my attention. So I went on it, and I saw the 25th largest church in America. What do you think the average Sunday morning attendance of the 25th largest church in America? Just take a wild guess, anybody. Just 10,000, keep going. Keep going, 12,000, I heard 12,000. Anybody want to go higher? 15,000, we're getting higher, still higher. Keep going. 22,000 people, the 25th, church in, 25th largest church in America. The largest church is a place down in Houston. You might have heard of the guy's name. I won't even credit him by giving him his name, but I think you all know who I'm talking about. With over 40,000 people. 25 churches, mega churches in, in, in America, not to mention around the world, as you said, America. We've gone to the mega church one hour entertainment services all across America. And. Uh, uh, a feel-good prosperity gospel preaching. Most most of those churches, not all. I'm sure there's some that certainly some that preach the gospel for sure. But I want you to know that that here, three thousand people got together, and then later on in chapter five, we see that it goes to four thousand or five thousand rather, and that was the number of men. Add the women and the children, and this church is up to twenty thousand people. Now it's one thing to have a community. I would think one of the big days when we when we. Uh, 
Uh, you know, we advertised, we had a, the Boston Red Sox great, Bernie Carbo here. We've had Paul Pitts here. We've had Gary Biker here. And some big name people in their, their world of such. We advertised to the community. And we get 250 or whatever people would come to the, from the community. But out of all the advertising, we did thousands and thousands of advertisement. Only 250 people around the community came to see somebody great and famous. Well, that's the community we live in. Many are called, but few are chosen. Uh, so you have the community or the unchurched. They're all around us. Then you have the crowd or the regular attenders. And I dare say that, that uh, I've learned that if you, you know, have enough fireworks, you can get a crowd of people to come for a service. If you bring in a, a Boston Red Sox or a Yankee or, or bring in somebody of fame or so, something like that, you get a crowd, but a crowd isn't necessarily a church. So you have the community, which is the unchurched. You have the crowd, which is regular attenders. Then as you get closer to, to this, what we see here in Acts chapter 1 and 2, especially Acts chapter 2, we see a congregation is formed. They had commonality. They had common ground. They had fellowship. They had love, like-mindedness. They, they, they loved what they were doing. They enjoyed where they were at and who they were with. So we see this congregation becomes the members. But then the inner circle, as we journey through this book of Acts, we see that some of these members became very committed or maturing members or committed to the cause of Christ. And then we have the core. Uh, you know, I, this could be a little bit dangerous because we've got some core folks right here that I'm talking to. But uh, uh, I, I think of Tim and Linda Butler. I'll use Linda specifically because Linda was with us for the longest time. Uh, Linda was core. I think you all know that. And, uh, you know, we lost Linda here just a few weeks ago to Virginia. Wish her the best. We'll see her in three days, of course, Tim and Linda as, as well. But where are you on that chart, if you will? I don't have a chart for you, but in your mind's eye. You're part of the community? No, you're better than that. You're here. You're part of the crowd? No, you came back on a Sunday night service. You're, I'd say you're more than a crowd. You're a congregation, a group of people that love the Lord and love each other. How committed are you? How committed am I? How committed are we to the cause? And then there's the core. There's the folks that will die for the cause. I believe, and you may be surprised where we're going to go with these, where I'm planning, I'm working on my messages now for um, uh, me and my real family, where we're going with these messages, because some people are all about family. A lot of us are all about family. And uh, we want to find out, uh, and we sang it this morning, I got to take time out. I want to practice my singing voice. I'm so glad, help me out, I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this sod. For I am part of the family, the family of God. I want to give you just four basic words, four statements, four basic words tonight on what it requires to be a core member, to be someone that's committed to the cause, that's not going anywhere, that you're grounded in the truth, and you're going to, listen, I want to die being a part of a local New Testament Baptist church. I trust it'll be right here. Say, preacher, are you planning on dying anytime soon? I hope not, but if I die, I'd rather die as a member of Harvest Baptist Church, of course. And, uh, but I want to give you what I see 
in these Acts chapter 1 and 2, and then through the next several chapters, this early church at Jerusalem, primarily, as we touched on this morning, almost all Jewish at that time. Now we're looking at a congregation tonight here, I think all Gentile. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, you need not turn there again, that they were all in one place in one what? What was that word? Accord, in one accord. Now I want to encourage you, and I'm going to give you a statement that you can repeat. I will protect the unity of my church. Would you say that with me? I will protect the unity of my church. Let's try that again. I will protect the unity of my church. Now just a sidebar, by the way, you should protect the unity of your family. And all God's people said... You got to love your family. I don't care if they're not saved. You love your family anyhow. Now, there comes a time where there might be, have to be some separation or some schism, for, but we still love. And uh, the family, how much more so the family of God? Turn to, I want you to turn there. I mean, I could quote the verse, but Romans chapter 14, look at just one verse in this first statement. I will protect the unity of my church. They were all in one place with one accord, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. This unity, Romans chapter 14. Let's read the verse together when we get there. Romans 14. Everybody, I'll give you time to turn there. Romans 14. I didn't mark my Bible, so I've got to turn there the old-fashioned way myself. Romans 14, verse number 19. Let's read it together. Do you have it? Here we go. Ready? Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another or edify or build up one another. I will protect the unity of my church. I have three subpoints for all my four main statements here and I have a nice worksheet here. I preached this message for the record 16 years ago. I looked at it I said, I can't believe it's been 16 years since I preached this. And we had a handout back then. But, uh, uh, so I'm going from a handout, more of a teaching lesson tonight. But how do we protect unity? Well, first of all, by acting in love towards other members. I quoted this morning, I'll quote it again tonight, 1 Peter 1, 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, unhypocritical love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart. Do you remember the next word? Fervently. That we really love one another. Bible says that they had love one towards another. And we protect the unity of the, the church. Now don't raise your hand. Because I don't want anybody to be a liar because every hand should be raised. But did you ever get mad at one of your loved ones? Don't raise your hand. I haven't, but you have. I know you have. So well, I'm teasing you. We all get mad from time to time. We all get out of sorts of our own church, our own family. Our own, and families are filled with schism and division and Yes, that D word, as I call it, divorce and so forth, and, and estrangement, parents from children and grand, parents from grandchildren and, and on, grandparents from children, and on and on we could go. But we need to work at our love life with our, with our brethren. If we're going to protect the unity, we love, it's a command to love. It's not an emotion, it's a command. We love when we don't feel like loving. That's not being a hypocrite, a hypocrite. that's being obedient to the word of God. There's sometimes, I just ask you this, just real quickly. And don't raise your hand again, please. But how many had to work again in church here tonight? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. But you came anyhow. Why'd you come? Out of love. You know, you may not want to admit it, but you encouraged your preacher. You may not know it, but you encouraged somebody else. Your encouragement to somebody else, and hopefully somebody's going to be an encouragement to you. 
So we protect the unity by acting in love one toward another. Secondly, by refusing to gossip. Ephesians 4, 29, and let me just read the verse. Let no corrupt or evil or erosive, or erosive, or erosive pardon me, or hurtful communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up. Refusing to gossip. Listen, I say it almost every week of our church life. We don't have a perfect church. We've got spot and wrinkle, and we've got problems. There is no perfect family, as we're going to find out in a few weeks from now in our series of messages on Sunday morning. There's problem, every family has problems. And that's just the way it is. But uh, we be careful that we don't tear down one another and let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And uh, build up one another. Use your speech to build up, not tear down. Anybody can tear down. It's so easy to do that. Anybody can find fault. I will tell you, I'm an expert critic. I really am. I can, find, I can find fault. I can find something that went wrong. We can have a perfect Sunday morning service, a thousand things go right, and I can find the three things that didn't go right. That's how we are. We just, uh, we, we, we see, see that, and uh, we, if we're not careful, we can divulge into gossip and, and foul speech that's not pleasing to the Lord, nor edifying to our brother or sister in Christ or our spouse or who have you. But thirdly, and lastly, we protect the unity of our church by acting in love towards one another, by refusing to gossip about one another. Thirdly, by following the leader. In fact, I want you to turn there. I don't say this much here, and I don't, I don't feel like I have to say it much because I get all kinds of uh, respect around here, and I thank you for that. Sometimes I don't deserve the respect that you give me, but uh, Lord, you've been, you've been very gracious in regards to this. Hebrews 13, look at verse 17. I touched on it this morning, just to reference it, just a soundbite. Obey them that have the rule over you or the overseership over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And so follow the leader and, uh, and work in unity. Let's love one another. Let's love our leadership. We don't have, let me go to science school classes for a minute. In every one of our science school classes, we have flawed sheep and we have flawed shepherds. That's because we're all flawed people. And uh, there's no, and, and I tell you, Sunday school, just for the record, I've said it uh, privately in our leadership meetings many times, Sunday school's not working like it used to work. A lot of things are not working like it used to work years ago. But that doesn't mean we throw them out. We, we, I still think it's a great avenue to teach the word of God and we, and so we do the best that we can. And we, we, we honor those that are trying to honor the Lord and we support. And so I will protect the unity of my church. One more time, say that with me, ready? I will protect the unity of my church. If you want to be a strong member, I will protect the unity of our church. And secondly, point number two, or statement number two, I will share the responsibility of my church. Let's say that together, ready? I will share the responsibility of my church. Uh, there's the turn to First Thessalonians chapter one, just for one verse here. First Thessalonians one. I will share the responsibility for my church, and I'd like to laud you. I'd like to applaud you. There's a lot of things that need to be done around this church every day, every week, and uh, from outside, from the lawns being mowed, from inside to the building being cleaned, 
to the nursery being uh, functional and working, to our Sunday school work being done, to fellowships where we have food fellowships and uh, many different things that need to be done. Uh, the security of the building, I mean, it could go on and on, the ushering, the, the, uh, uh, all the different things that need to be done. And uh, I can't do everything, and you know that. Believe me, the older I get, the more I realize I can't do many things, let alone everything. I can only do a few things. And uh, it's a team effort. I like that phrase, by the way, teamwork makes the dream work. Share the responsibilities. Pardon me, I just caught Tim's eye, and pardon me, I maybe used Tim too much, but uh, you know, we wouldn't be going on this trip to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, if Tim didn't have a CDL license. He went out and didn't have one, and he went out and trained for it, and, and got the book, and then studied, and so forth, and, and then we wouldn't have gone on this trip. The buses broke down like four times last month, and uh, as Tim not fixed the bus, we wouldn't be going on this trip. And so uh, Tim did things that, that I can't do. Uh, Ray, pardon me, you're right next to me. I can see, the, see you there, so there you are. I'll pick on you. We had our septic system. Uh, we, had, we, had a, we had a septic tank. It, it filled overflowing the other day, the other day being about three months ago. We had to pump it out twice, $875 worth. And so we, we pumped it out, but then something malfunctioned. We then raised operating the, the septic system by manual switch, and we got Eric, wherever Eric is in this room here, uh, we got Eric... Uh, getting parts as an electrician, and we've had to bring a plumber in. We've got to fix all that. I wouldn't have a clue. Oh, by the way, by the way, I, this just popped in my head. I've got to say it. This is, this is terrible, this is, but this is true. I have four appointments that are four times I've got to go to motor vehicles. That is, that is like going, oh, I don't even want to tell you how rude. I've got to go for my license, my personal license. I've got to go. Now we've got to go for both vehicles. Now, in all seriousness, if anybody wants to go and you don't have anything better to do for four hours of your life this week and you would like to go and fail, I mean, you'd like to go and try to get something done in heart, uh, at uh, motor vehicles, honestly, the lady asked me, uh, pardon me, it has nothing to do with it, I'm going to tell you, I stood there at the window after three hours and 15 minutes. I, it was all I could do to be a Christian, I'm telling you right now. She said to me, now who are you? I said, I'm the pastor. I, I wasn't very Christian, really. I shouldn't, I shouldn't make fun of it. because I, I, just, I just could hardly talk to her. I was so upset by the time I got to the window. And, she, and then, then she said, oh, well, you, you don't have that. I had every document known to mankind. Oh, you need this, this form. Why didn't you tell me that three hours and 20, 10 minutes ago? I've been sitting here for three hours. Why didn't you tell me this? I didn't say that. She says, and she could tell by my countenance, I'm sure, that I was getting a little perturbed, as 90 people behind me were perturbed, too. And I says, uh, she says, well, maybe, well, you got to come back. Maybe you could have your secretary come back. And I, I kind of half lied. I said, I am the secretary. <laughs> and uh, I, maybe somebody wants to do that. Uh, I'm turning a very negative event into something halfway humorous. It's not really humorous, but that's another story. Share the responsibilities of the church. Somebody's got to get those vans and buses registered. Somebody's got to drive the bus. Somebody's got to fix the septic system. Somebody's got to clean the toilets. Somebody's got to do, do the flowers. Somebody's got to weed the lawn. Somebody's got to do, well, gentlemen, somebody's got to, uh, we could pay. I was just down at White Oak. Let me do this quickly. We were at White Oak Baptist Church. It meant Tim Herbst uh, running for governor. By the way, I'm voting for Bob Stefanowski. Just, I thought you might want to know, just in case you want to know. You want to know who I'm voting for, I'll tell you Tuesday. Uh, you asked me after the service. But we're down at White Oak Baptist Church in Stratford. They just spent $20,000 to 
to have their parking lot sealed. Their parking lot's about the size of our parking lot. If we had professionals do it, it would cost about $20,000. We think we can do it for about $3,000, or as much as we run out of buckets of, if we do it all by ourselves, hand, hand work, of course. So fellas, if we get fellas on the 6th, 7th, and 8th of September, we can get some work done. I'm getting bogged down in too much details. Share the responsibility. Pray. Or we need to look at the verse. First Thessalonians 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, we give, uh, or verse number 2, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. And then uh, verse 1, I'm sorry, Paul and Savannah and Timotheus unto the church at, of the Thessalonians which is of, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks unto you always, making mention of you in our prayers. And so well, how do we share the responsibility? By praying for its growth. We pray, pray for the growth of our church. Pray, pray, pray that God would expand. This is his church, not our church, and you know that. Pray for its growth. Pray for its increase, for increased laborers. Pray for, secondly, how do we, share the responsibility by inviting the church to attend. I was thinking of there's some long-term members in our church that are here because somebody in this congregation, that somebody here invited them to the house of God and you're here this morning, or this evening rather, because somebody invited you. And so this is a team effort. Luke 14, 23, the Lord said unto his servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. And then thirdly, how do we share the responsibilities by Warmly welcoming those who visit. Romans 15, verse 7 says, Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us unto glory, the, uh, us to the glory of God. When we, we came into the family of God, he welcomed us into his family. He's, one day he's going to welcome us home to be with him. Where he's not going to be absent from that day. He's going to welcome us there. We need to welcome others into our church congregation. Uh, I've seen this happen, and uh, be careful how I say this here, but I've seen on a Sunday morning where somebody comes in, I'm thinking somebody this morning, to be honest with you, there I said it, and they're brand new to our church, and they just came in, and, and uh, if you're not careful, you get isolated and just not, not if a man comes in and uh, he's a visitor, fellas, you ought to just, as soon as you can, get over there and start to talk to him. Lady comes in who happens to be a visitor, you need to talk to him. So share the responsibility of the church if you're going to be a core member of the church. And then number three, statement number three, if you're going to be a core committed member to the local New Testament church, I will serve the ministry of my church. I will, I, I will serve in the ministry of my church. Let's say that together, ready? I will serve in the ministry of my church. An interrelated point, but I've already touched on a couple of points here, but by discovering my gifts and my talents, and we all, have, we all have different gifts. I confess to you, I've said this many times, I, I'm a pastor, and I don't have the gift of administration. I wish I did. I don't. I feel like I have the gift of helps. And let me translate that. I'm referring to Hebrews, Romans chapter 12. I feel, and I'll just pat myself on the back and say that I can be a pretty good Indian. I grew up near Cleveland, Ohio, after all. You'll get it. Some of you say, what's he talking about? But uh, I can be a pretty good Indian. I'm not a very good chief. I didn't grow up near Kansas City. Pardon me. 
But I, I'm, I'm strong in the, I'm a blue collar type of guy. I don't mind getting out and doing what needs to be done. I'm a good Indian. I'm a good laborer. I'm a good private. I'm not a very good general. Pray for me. God put me in a different spot and I need your prayers. But we're all, we're all stewards of the manifold grace of God in our life and he's given us all gifts. Differing, the Bible says. But how do we share in the ministry by being equipped to serve beside our pastor? And I thank God for many of you that lighten the load and, and uh, help in the work of God. If this ministry, and this ministry is far more than Pastor Marty Schott or Pastor Parma or, or Pastor Brother Caleb, who's someday soon going to be pastor. Well, we're going to work at that next year, by the way. I don't know if I said that yet. So uh, we'll work at that here. Get, let Caleb let him earn his stripes here the last year and a half, and we'll, we'll deal with that uh, sometime next year is the plan. And uh, God gave some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or building up the body of Christ. And then we share, we support our church by, by, by uh, using our gifts, by developing a servant's heart. You know, there are people that are qualified that are, their hearts are not in the work. I'll just touch on this, just for the record here. I've noticed that the work of God has been done, by and large, 99.8% of the time, and it's probably higher than that, by regular common people like you and me. Well, God give us, uh, uh, oh, I was talking to Parmers. Uh, we, pl- we would like to go down to Washington, D.C. together someday, so hopefully soon, and see the, the Bible Museum right next to the Smithsonian. I was down there with Pat, Brother Phipps, and uh, I think a half a billion dollars Bible Museum. It was funded by one Christian man, the owner of Hobby Lobby, Steve Green, I believe his name is multi-billionaire, owns, just sold, if you will, uh, just sold to uh, Moody Bible Institute, by the way, a division of Moody Bible Institute, sold the Moody campus that they bought. Uh, you know, a multi-billionaire. I, I, by the way, I, I don't understand. I, I, I get frustrated with people that, that want to attack rich people. I thank God for rich people, and I wish God would give us some of those rich people, but so far, God just seen fit to give us just regular people that are rich in Christ, I guess. I'm thankful for that. But God give us a servant's heart to, to give what, and do what we can do wherever that need is. We, we, can, we can all give something. And so let me review here. Let's, let me say the statement and then repeat it after me. I will protect the unity of my church. Try that again, ready? I will protect the unity of my church. Now, this is if you want to be a core committed member, a member at Ground Zero, one of the, the disciples of the Lord, if you will, in, a, in a, the center of the ministry. I will share the responsibility of my church. Say that with me, ready? I will share the responsibility of my church. Number three, I will serve the ministry of my church. I will serve in the ministry of my church. I will serve in the ministry of my church, or I guess I should have put in some ministry of my church. There's so many things that need to be done. I find the, like the body in 1 Corinthians 12, just quickly, the Bible talks about not all the parts are comely. Some are more comely than others. Some people have beautiful faces, for example. Or they might have a part in the language. They might have a good-looking body. Or they might have something that uh, the man looks at or a woman looks at and says, wow, that's, they, they got a physique or they got a um, nice face or beautiful hair, whatever. But those are the less important parts of the body. There's a whole lot more important parts. And they're the parts that are unseen. Thank God for livers, you know. Kind of ugly thought even just to think about liver, but thank God for livers. Where would we be without that physical heart pumping? 
Well, we'd be in heaven, wouldn't we? But uh, there's important things to the body that are less comely, and we all have a part in the, in the function of the work of God. Then the fourth and final statement, I will support the testimony of my church. Would you say that with me? I will support the testimony of my church. Let me just bear my soul. We're almost done here tonight. We're going to go to Lord's Supper. You know, after 33 years, just for the record, I, I know that we've got a, there's some stigma attached with our church. A lot of that stigma is because of Marty Schott, because of the pastor. Uh, we've been, early on in our church life, uh, I've, you know, I've always worn suits and ties. Most of you know that. Nothing wrong with wearing suits and ties. That's, we wore it because we wanted to show, give the Lord our best and so forth. I've said it a thousand times. I don't feel like you have to have a suit and tie on as a man to be right with God, of course, or if you don't have a suit and tie, it doesn't matter. God doesn't care on the outside, but we ought to look the best we can. There's a day in our church when I still like a modest dress on women to this day. I still do like that, ladies. And Marty Schott said, amen. I'm just going to amen myself here. And, uh, but uh, we probably maybe took it over the top some of these things, we being me, but we got a stigma. Of the, they're the legalist church. They're the fundamentalist church. They're, the, they're, they're, they're all about standards. And well, we didn't want to be illegal. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be facetious. We didn't want to be disrespectful. And some of our good was evil spoken of. And maybe, maybe we got a little bit pompous or maybe a little bit prideful, or maybe a little pharisaical, call it what you want. It was never intended. And to this day, and it's sensitive to me because I've seen it happen over and over and over again, people get a form of opinion about our church. This is the Lord's church. We're all flawed vessels, but we do the best that we can for the glory of God. And there will always be people, they spoke evil of Paul, they spoke evil of James and John and of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they'll speak evil of us as well. And that, that'll happen, but... Let's not give them opportunity to blaspheme or to, to, uh, to right, rightfully so condemn the testimony of our church, protect it. And I think we can protect the testimony of our church by faithfully attending church. I touched on it this morning, just for the record. We're, we're really in a different era than ever before. It's, 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 we're, we're getting less and less church in our churches. We're having a week revival meeting. I can honestly tell you, I do not know of one church in Connecticut. In fact, I don't, know, I don't think we're better than anybody. On the contrary, maybe we're, I don't know what we are in regards to this. But I don't know of one church in Connecticut this year, not one, do I know of, can I think of, or for that matter, in, in no, I can't, I think of other states, I guess, I, but to finish your thought, I don't know of one church that's having a week-long revival meeting in all of Connecticut this entire year, Baptist or otherwise. We're going to have a six-day revival meeting, start on a Monday night and go to Sunday, take off Saturday night. We're going to have a week of holy convocation. There was a day, I've told several of you this, I'll just give you a quick for instance. There was a day when I was a 28-year-old preacher, we were running 30 people in church on a good Sunday. We were in a little tiny building, I'm looking at who was there. You remember the, well, the hearts, of course, and the... Uh, Tim, how many remember the old, the old building? How many were in the old building? Many of you, of course, several of you. And I remember, I said, we're going we're gonna to have a big day. We invited Dan Souza, Evangelist Dan Souza. 
We, we rented a tent. Spent, I remember that, that I still got the number in my head. It was a lot of money back in those days. $600 for a tent. 1988, that was a lot of money. We rented a tent. I invited the mayor, D. Dunny. She came to church. Roman Catholic lady. I invited the funeral home director. He came to church. I invited the copy shop owner. He came to church. We went from 30 to 190 in one Sunday. Unbelievable. Next Sunday, we were back down to 30. <laughs> we had a big day. Four people got saved that day. A lady got saved that, that George Washington picture in my office, that painting. That was painted by a lady whose sister, our chandeliers, I like telling the story when we get off subject, but it's okay. Our chandeliers were bought by a liquor store owner of Torrington, Connecticut. For 40 years, her husband owned the liquor store and she got gloriously saved. And her sister-in-law, her sister got saved. And I buried both of them. And I buried the one, the one husband. I got the picture in my office. I could name the name and we go to a cemetery on Hillside Cemetery and, and uh, I love the, the, the big monument that's there with, uh, well, David Asher, I'll uh, tip a name. Some of you might remember that name. And on his tombstone is his admiral picture in the Navy and his wife. They've been in, he's been in heaven for many years now, 10, 12 years now it's been. And underneath, in about two inch letters across the granite part of the tombstone, is Romans 10 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said to his sons, I said, How'd you know to put that verse on there? Oh, we saw it in your bulletin and we figured our dad would like it, so we put it on the, the, the tombstone. Oh, by faithfully attending church, we can, we can protect the testimony of our church. We, not, as we touched on this morning, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. We protect the testimony of our church by living a godly life. I got to be done here, but just a soundbite. I don't want to be negative. I was telling somebody, they're in this room tonight, you know who I'm talking to telling somebody this last week that there are some people that will never come to Harvest Baptist Church. They're wrong, but they won't come because of some, something that one member did years ago that they will never forget and never forgive. And that's on them. But we need to live a godly life that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ might not be blasphemed among us. And then we... Protect the testimony of our church by giving regularly. This message is once supposed to be about money. It's not, not about money. But 1 Corinthians 16 says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay in store by, or one of you buy, or lay in store. I, I wrote the verse down wrong. Every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings till I come. We had Malachi 3.10 was on the front of the bulletin this morning. It just happened to be. It was a bulletin for August 12th. By faithfully giving to the work of God. I'm convinced, and I will say this to God be the glory. We've always met every one of our bills around here uh, for years. We've paid millions of dollars now. Millions of dollars. Yeah, I said millions with the M. In regards to this building and to grounds and so forth. Little by little, week in and week out. Faithfully giving to the work of God. I know some churches don't have that type of overhead that we've had all along. Uh, but uh, God's taking care of us because by God's will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
So do you want to be a core member tonight, a good and godly member like the ones we see in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, all together in one place and one accord? Then protect the unity of your church. Share the responsibility of your church. Work in a ministry of your church. And fourthly, support the testimony of your church. We're not perfect, but let's not give the enemies of God the occasion to blaspheme. Let's, let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, the truth be told, I've been preaching for the last half hour to core people in this assembly. Lord, I want to think that everybody in this room here tonight loves you. In fact, I'm quite sure of it. I thank you for that. Lord, none of us are perfect. We've all made our mistakes. We all, all failed from time to time in our family relationships, in our, in our church interpersonal relationships. But Lord, we want to strive together that the name of Christ would be glorified, that God, you would be honored. Because we know, Lord, this is not our church, but Lord, this is your church and we're just privileged to be a part of it. Lord, help us to, Lord, uh, Go, go to another level, step up to the plate and be committed more than we have been, Lord, and help us, Lord, to uh, up the ante a little bit. And Lord, uh, give, our, give of our best to the master. We'll thank you for it. I pray these things. I ask you to bless them. Just moments of reflection before we go into the Lord's Supper, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's take our hymn book and turn to, how about give of your best to the master? We sing that Wednesday night.